many, many, many men. So I'm going to talk to you about the anyhow factor. I think that's kind of uh, where we left off at the healing school. And I did <clears throat> minister this Sunday in Cleveland. But I think I'll I'll uh, continue with it and, and help us to understand proper attitude uh, faith of, you know, when you're in faith for something, what does that look like? And there is a factor involved in uh, the process of believing God and waiting for promises to manifest or whatever we we say we're waiting on, you know, where you're in between rejoices <laughs> or in between excitement. Um, sometimes we, we get uh, a little discouraged. It's easy to drift off into natural thinking when there's nothing real exciting going on in your life. Faith-wise, you know, because, uh, you know, you got to admit that we, if, if there weren't a time element involved here where between when we pray and first believe and when we receive the promises, uh, we wouldn't have any trouble whatsoever maintaining our faith. But faith really is for endurance purposes because there are certain things that must be endured in in the earth while you're connected to the earth. Uh, you're connected to an element that's uh, governed by time. And so we we have to understand that time can work either for us or against us uh, depending upon how we look at it. Sometimes the passage of time is something that we look forward to because we know as time passes we get closer to the goal whatever it is but also when time is gone uh, it's it's often possible also to have regrets about how we spent our time so uh, we have to somehow settle this issue of the now faith that's within us and the events that are occurring as a result of that faith. And so um, I was talking to God about this a uh, few weeks back. And he said, you're going to have to learn uh, how to use the anyhow factor when you are standing in faith. And he said, you know, you have to make up your mind that you have it anyhow. And quit letting the devil rob you of <clears throat> of your faith because it hasn't showed up yet. And many times we don't master how to stay in faith uh, even with the passage of time. We think it's going to be uh, real soon when it's not real soon. And then we start wondering what's wrong, why isn't it here yet and so forth. And he said that's where you have to put the anyhow factor to work in your faith so that you can learn how to keep your faith up to a a level where you're not discouraged you have to keep it up to a level where you're hopeful where you're rejoicing all that kind of stuff he said in understanding that you have it anyhow it's yours anyhow uh, the anyhow situation uh, factor has to help you to settle these things so faith deals with the invisible but not the non-existent. So faith deals with the invisible, but not the non-existent. In other words, whatever it is that you're believing God for exists already. It's there already. 
So you're believing in something that's tangible, something that's real, and your faith is your evidence for it. God gives us faith to hold on to real things in the invisible realm. So they're in that realm we call glory, not visible to the naked eye, human eye, but they are existent in God. So if you you can say the realm of glory is the realm of God, then what you are believing for exists somewhere in God, in his heart, in his mind, in his awareness, in his vision, in his plan. These things are real if they're in God. If they're not in God, they're fantasy. So the way to get your faith and to get what you need by faith is through the word. That's how God creates everything. So that's why he tells us to meditate on the word day and night. We'll make our way prosperous and have good success. Why? Because the word points to real things. It speaks of things that are real. Not of things you hope to be real one day. But they are real right now. And that's why you have substance inside of you. You can, you can sense um, that it's solid. You can sense that it has some kind of um, reality to it. It has weight. It has depth. It has. You're not talking about things that you hope God will make for you one day. Or you hope that he will have mercy on you and let you have it one day. You're talking about things that are really set aside and laid up for you in God. So they're real at the time that you believe for them. Your healing is real because it's been paid for already. And we can all relate to that. It's it's amazing how we can kind of relate to that in the realm of healing. Because we think of healing as something that's um, already granted if you believe in the atonement. So many times we get over our fear of whether or not God's going to heal us. And we just get tired of wrestling with it and say, well, I'm healed. You know, I'm healed anyway. Or by his stripes, I'm healed. And we kind of want to grab on and accept that. But how about other things that we maybe debate as to whether we deserve them? Debate as to whether we prayed enough for them. Debate as to whether they really belong to us. And so it's those things that are somewhat controversial, somewhat iffy somewhat in a gray area sometimes that you might feel you got to do something ultra special to get God to give that to you. If you're getting them through the word and you put your faith in what you read in his word, they exist already for you. They're just in a realm that you can't see them. So if it exists, you have reason to believe. If it doesn't exist, your doubt would be valid. And your faith would not work. So if you put God's faith in something that's not out there, doubt will come in and the doubt would be valid because it's not there. But if you put your faith in God's word, it is it is in something that exists for you. All you're doing is laying claim to it and putting your name on it 
so that it can be transferred over into the natural realm where you can receive it, you can enjoy it, you can apply it to your life, and you can have fun with it, hopefully. Amen? And so when we, if you, you doubt, your doubt is valid because it, it is not laid up for you. It is not promised to you. And your faith will not work on something that has not been promised to you. But the Bible says all of the promises of God are yea and amen by us. So all we have to do is say yes to most everything that we see in the word of God and it is ours. Amen. And so the, uh, the, the God kind of faith is faith in the invisible. The enemy of the God kind of faith is the visible realm. So what you see is often your biggest enemy against the God kind of faith. What we observe in the visible realm is what causes doubt. Doubt does not occur just by itself. Doubt will point to a prior knowledge about something or it will point to a situation in the natural that is counter to what God is promising us. So doubt doesn't just come out of nowhere. It has to be generated by something we observe. For instance, if you if God tells you you're going to be a, 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 like Abraham and Sarah, parents at 90 in in uh, 99, 90 and 100, um, knowing what they know about the natural, their natural situation, that is what put doubt there. They didn't get the doubt out of thin air. So doubt is fed by the visible realm, and it's fed by prior knowledge. If if you believe that. Your children won't get a college education because you haven't saved up enough money. The factor of the money not being there is a visible natural realm occurrence. And that is what will put the doubt in there for you. You got it? So doubt doesn't just, is not just a phantom that creeps up and attacks you out of nothing. Doubt is created by what you see in the natural that makes what God's word tells you is yours, makes it seem impossible to you. So how do you get beyond doubt? Well, we talked about it in Romans 4. You consider not those natural things. You cannot look at what it looks like in the natural and hold on to supernatural faith in the invisible. So you have to make a decision that what you see in the natural realm means nothing. It's just something that's there temporarily. And faith in God will cause that thing to conform to the image that God has set for you. So the visible realm is limited to time, space, circumstances. And availability of resources. Everything that we see is a function of time. Because they wear out. Amen. Space. You know, what, what, 
what realm does it occupy? Circumstances. Do you have it? Do you not have it? Were you born poor? Were you born wealthy? All of that stuff. And availability of resources. You know, people say, uh, and I remember uh, one of the one of the things that we we heard from the last administration was that uh, jobs don't come out of thin air, you know, and and where are these jobs are going to come from? Well, those jobs were out there all along. They were offshore. They were in other countries. All you got to do is get them imported back here again. Uh, if you want people to work. And so now we have an administration that believes those jobs can come back. And they have come back in a short matter of time. Amen. So they weren't really gone anywhere. They were in a realm that was not available to us as American citizens. Now they're being brought back into the realm that makes it available to us. It's the same thing with faith in God. Sometimes the things that we want from God are not available to us in the natural realm, but that does not mean they won't come to us and they don't exist somewhere. And so we have to be careful to keep a check on what our focus is. Because the more you focus on what's going on in the natural, well, this will never happen because I'll never get this and I'll never get that. Well, never is an awful long time. In fact, God is the God of the never as well as the now. Amen. And so if you make him Lord over all of these times, like past, present, and future, and you make him Lord over possibility and impossibility, you'll find that the things that seem impossible now become possible because the God that we serve is a God who makes all things possible. If he promised it to you, it's possible. Why? Because he's going to bring it to pass and not you. So faith in God really entails putting away your uh, plans and your schemes and your plots to get these things yourself. Quit focusing on what the natural is telling you about things. And just meditate on what God says about it. It takes discipline. It is not the easiest thing in the world, but you can get used to it. Sometimes the more you grow in the things of God, the more challenges he gives you for your faith. Your faith is going to have to believe tougher things, harder things, things that aren't that easy. And things that aren't achievable outside of God. So God gives us faith to connect to a secure world that we cannot see. Amen. We connect to a secure world that we cannot see. And see that's what makes it so secure is that we can't see it. Amen. See, that's not a disadvantage, even though we want to be able to see everything, see it now, and and partake of it. But it's more secure if it's not available to us in this natural realm. And I'll tell you why. In this natural realm, we have to contend with the God of this world, Satan, who runs everything. And he's a destroyer. And so if if what we desire was already here, it would be subject to greater destruction before we could even take possession of it. 
And so Satan would tear it up before you get your hands on it if it were in a realm where he had access to it. In fact, most of the time we would reject it because of his deception over our thinking, over our uh, abilities to discern, all that kind of stuff. We're subject to be deceived by it as well. And so we have to understand that the realm of glory is a secure world and we cannot see it. It's like, you know, having your your valuables in a safe deposit box. You put it in there and, and you have a key and the bank has a key. That's what makes it secure. You can't go in and tamper with it without oversight. And they can't go in and steal it because you've got the second key. You got me? And so when we start believing God for things, we have a safe deposit back box out in the realm of glory. And then God is able to uh, allow us access to that at the appointed time. If the time is not appointed, then we don't have access. And so he has the second key. We have a faith key here on earth. He has a key to glory out there in glory. And so at the appointed time, we both put our keys together and unlock what it is that he's been holding for us. So it's in a secure place. When we have to get accustomed to relating uh, to God in that way. Amen. So the faith connection is real and it's eternal. The natural realm is subject to change. So we shouldn't waste our attention and energy focusing on this temporal realm. Don't waste your faith and energy focusing on what's temporal. Amen. Because it will surely pass away. The minute you start getting your hands on it, it will start to fade and fade out of your focus. So we have to be careful not to focus on this realm. Do not compromise with the natural realm by acknowledging its report. Because the natural realm speaks just like the supernatural faith realm speaks. The natural realm always says it won't happen. There's not enough. You don't deserve it. You can't have it. That's what the natural always speaks. And so we we have to... Um, short circuit that evil report with a good report from God. We must have a good report from him in order for us to be able to have the things that God wants us to have. We have to override the natural evil report. Amen. Sometimes you can be getting what you think is good news or supportive news from the natural realm. But but faith in God works just the opposite. You've got to believe it first before you see it, if it's coming from God. Um, that gentleman that, that came by the uh, meeting on Saturday, I think I shared with most of you, that he was going to have a, a bone scan done to check to see if the cancer had advanced and if he needed radiation. And when they, he went there and got that test, all the cancer was gone. In fact, amen, the wife said that they called the chief of radiology down to confirm it. Because many times if, if somebody is, you're underneath somebody's authority, uh, you can, you can say certain things, but if they're challenging to what is expected, 
then they need to have it confirmed by somebody who's more experienced, higher up in authority. And so that's their protocol there, and that's what they did. So when they call the other person in, that's always a good sign if you're expecting God to do something good for you. Amen? Because everybody can see abnormal cells on a on a scan, but um, not many people can can with confidence say nope there's nothing here and this person is cancer free well his faith had to come before he saw it okay so really what happened was what he believed god for manifested instead of the reverse is what happens sometimes in the natural we're believing god for something and the natural says something opposite See. And so we'll drop what we believe and pick up what's out there because we're not holding on to faith. And see, had he not seen a good report, and I believed with everything in me that God wouldn't have sent him there beforehand to come and have us reverse everything for nothing. So God knew his faith was adequate. All it had to do was meet the anointing and he gets healed. And he goes a few minutes later, gets a test, and it shows immediately that he's healed. And so we we have to understand that these things are are real. You know, his healing was there all the time. Had it not manifested that afternoon, he would have had the choice of saying, well, maybe it didn't happen. Maybe I didn't understand God. But the attitude we have to have is that you're healed anyhow. See, you have it anyhow. And so especially if there's something in the natural that's giving us reason to doubt, we have it anyhow. So we cannot compromise with the natural realm by acknowledging its report unless it's confirming what our faith is telling us. The faith of God comes through his spoken and breathed word. The breathed word of God is the Bible. Amen. So faith comes by hearing what's in the word of God. When you read it and believe it or meditate it on it, it becomes life to you. Amen. So it's been breathed on already. That that word that what you read in the Bible is the breath of God captured on paper. And so once you put mix your faith with it, it comes to life again. It becomes life to you. Believing gives it life in you. It belongs to you. It becomes a part of you. And it becomes locked up inside of you. There is resurrection power in the word of God. It will bring dead things back to life. It calls those things that be not as though they were. It is a life-giving word. So when once you believe God's word, it gives life in you. Once the word is alive, it wants to grow. So that word that is alive in us seeks to grow. Growth involves tending, giving things attention. Amen. If you plant a garden, if you never water it and you never weed it, it's not going to produce very much. There's great competition in this earth against things that grow, things that grow pure. Like the weeds want to grow too, just like your tomatoes do. 
And so there's competition. Why? Because this earth is under a curse. That's part of the curse, the stress of of um, um, not having enough nutrients for everything to grow at the pace it wants to grow. That's part of the curse. And so we have to understand how to tend our garden, how to keep weeds out of the garden. Weeds are errant thoughts that come to you out of the natural realm, come out of nowhere. I remember when when uh, the uh, servant uh, woke up one morning, they planted planted a garden, and the servant woke up one morning and saw tares in there with the wheat, and they didn't plant any tares. And he looked in the, the, um, the uh, farmer said, an enemy has done this. And any time you have to deal with the natural realm, you're in enemy territory. So the enemy wants to plant seeds in your mind and seeds in your, your natural realm that cause you, when you focus on them, they will cause a competition between you and the word of God. And your faith can get compromised by considering what you see, what others tell you, what you think, what your experience is. All that will will cause uh, a compromise in the growth of the seed of the word that's in you. So you have to tend your garden. And you kick the weeds out. You're going to say, that doesn't matter. Uh, I'm, I'm healed anyhow. I'm prosperous anyhow. That thing is mine anyhow. God has given that to me anyhow. I have it anyhow. Amen. And if we can do that and continue to hold on to our faith and hold on to God's word just like it's alive, just like it's real, give it the the believability and the reality that it needs to have. And, and everything will be fine. See, you, 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 you'll get what you're asking for. But the tending process is a very, very important process. In fact, once it gets planted in your heart, it's planted. Planting only happens one time. Tending is a continual process. Amen. It has to be repeated over and over again. So I remember when I, I had a garden, I, I think, you know, when I first moved back to Cleveland, and we, we had a bunch of younger, the dancing divas used to come over and help me take care of the garden that I planted. And that made a big difference because I had wonderful vegetables and wonderful everything every year. And uh, until I didn't have as much help tending. And then it was like, mm, this is a real big chore. And, you know, sometimes I would overwater it because I would forget to water it on some days, so forth and so on. So the tending process is a make or break thing. You know, that'll make it or break it. It's not so much whether you've got faith or whether you prayed in faith, but it's tending uh, the garden so that whatever faith is there will grow. You know, will, it will prosper. So as a farmer plants seeds and cares for it, we must care for the word once it is planted. Amen. Once the word is planted, we must care for it. That involves our keeping our focus in the invisible realm. Not the visible. You can't keep peeking at it 
and think it's going to grow. I remember when I was a kid, I probably shared this story. I had a, a girlfriend. She she came. She said, oh, uh, with the, we had some seeds, and, and our teacher gave us seeds, and I planted them in the garden. Want to see? And she kept digging the seeds up. And I'm thinking to myself, leave the seeds in there. What do you, you know, like it was such a novelty. I don't know if anything ever grew in that thing or not, but she was very eager to dig that seed up and show it to you every time for some reason. And I think... We can get so caught up in the visible natural realm that that becomes our primary focus on things. And we don't know how to divorce ourselves from the visible, you know, as part of tending that garden. If we can divorce ourselves from the visible and really rely on the invisible, then we can have a a healthy uh, growth, uh, expectation is always good. We can feel blessed at all times. We can we can have it the way we really want it. We can stay peaceful about our lives to a great degree because of of that that uh, tending that we do. You know, attend to my word, incline your ear to my sayings. What God is saying is, my stuff deserves attention other stuff does not he stresses my word not the words of the the uh, forecasters not the words of the uh, physicians not the words of the uh, you know faith people or whatever kind of traditional people whatever uh, my word what did I tell you and so when you when you and if you don't know what God told you go to the Bible and look some stuff up and find out what he says about it that's what he told you is what he says in his word so it it really does it's a matter of tending and tending has to do with keeping your focus in the invisible realm Thank you, God. You said that by your stripes I am healed. And I am healed, Lord. I'm taking you at your word. I am healed now in the name of Jesus. Well, what about how you feel? It doesn't matter. I'm healed anyhow. So the tending part is what where the anyhow factor must come into play. You've got to use that. You've got to be able to sum up your daily activities with it is so anyhow. It is so now. It is not so when the natural realm lines up with what God says. It is so now. And so once we understand that it is so now, we can be at peace about anything that comes against it in the natural realm. And trust me, the devil will play with your mind. He will cause, he get all excited when once he knows you're hanging on to God for something. He gets very excited and very busy because he starts trying now to get your attention away from God, away from the invisible by manipulating the natural realm because that's his realm. That's what he owns. That's what he runs. So he'll do it by trying to run the natural in a way that looks like it's not going to happen for you. So one of the keys to tending your garden is not to look for a harvest immediately. You look at har- for harvest during harvest time. This is one of the things that plagues believers. They become discouraged when it's not there in the natural, but it's there in the spirit. That's why you have to stay 
in the realm of of building up your spirit with the word of God because that's where the reality is. If you can focus more on what the word says and what's invisible, you'll make it through and receive what God has for you. But if we constantly check, let me look and see if I'm healed. Let me look and see if this doesn't happen anymore. Let me look and see, you know, quit looking, seeing. You'll be disappointed every time. God's trying to get you to focus on him and what he's done. So in that place where you're waiting for for, uh, your promise to be manifest, it's time to tend your garden. You just, it's not an idle time. It's a time to be very active, but not looking for the harvest yet. But expecting the harvest at any time. Expectation is an inward spiritual force. It's not an outward natural force. I'm going to say that again because people get. See what happens is we think we're expecting and when it doesn't materialize in the natural wide way we're disappointed. You really weren't expecting. You were looking. See, expectation in God is never disappointed. So we misread the spiritual expectation. And then we start looking around in the natural for it. And it's not there yet. So expectation is spiritual. You can be excited for something in the realm of the spirit and if you stay focused in the spirit you'll be fine but if you get excited about something and start looking around for it in the natural when it's not there don't don't pick up disappointment you can you can override that feeling of disappointment because really what you're doing you're trying to get the natural you're trying to manipulate the natural to produce for you and you can't do it. You've got to trust what's in the spirit. So during your tending time. It's not harvest time yet. As you attend to the word. That you planted. And plant more of the word. In you. Amen. See the word is described as water. So when you plant that seed of the word. You water it also with the word. So you're just tending your garden. You're just meditating on the word. Father, I thank you that by your stripes I was healed. Thank you, Lord. I'm healed anyhow. I thank you, Father, that healing belongs to me every day. Thank you, Lord. I rebuke pain in the name of Jesus. I resist pain in Jesus' name. And I accept peace in my body in the name of Jesus. I forget. I resist all symptoms. I command you symptoms to flee far from me in Jesus' name. I am healed. And as as you water that seed of your healing on a continual basis, that healing grows. It can't help but grow because that's what you're feeding. That's what you're feeding. If you have to take medication, you talk to that pill and say, pretty soon I won't have to take you anymore because I'm healed anyhow in Jesus' name. You understand what I'm saying? You just have to resist that natural realm with everything that's in you. 
not taking medicine doesn't heal you. You understand what I'm saying? So you got to get that healing word on the inside of you and allow that word to begin to grow and feed it. Feed it. Feed it. Discouragement kills faith more than anything does. I don't, people say, oh, the opposite of fear is faith is fear. What does that mean? That, that doesn't mean anything. Come on now. But how does that, how do you interact with that? What is, what does that mean to you? What do you do that kills your faith? You look in the natural and you get discouraged. That's what kills your faith. You start listening to, you know, like I tell people, they get on this, uh, WebMD, huh? That's as bad as me and my bad people stuff all the time. You know what I'm saying? You feed yourself on that. I have to take a break from it. But, uh, you know, the WebMD, you go on there and you start reading about symptoms. And before you know it, you've been on there two hours. You could have been in the Word for 30 minutes and done yourself a whole lot more good. Now, that's not going to help you. Because if if disease is gripping you, uh, you don't need to find out about that. You know where that comes from. Bible's real clear about that, and so you don't need to become an expert. You know that intellectualism grabs people when they're sick. They have diseases. They'll feel proud of themselves that they can explain to you everything about that disease. Well, get in the Word if you want to be healed. We don't care about that. That's lies anyway. You understand? They don't know what. Come on now. People put all that stuff in these medical books and they do the best they can. But they have no clue what really causes disease. Think it's hereditary. Well, it could be this. It could be that. You know, God's a sure thing. He knows exactly what it's going to take for you to be healed. And he's provided for it already. Amen. Everything. Excuse me, that you need from glory is provided already. You're not waiting on God to make up his mind to heal you. He's done it already. Once he gives his word, it's done. I mean, God works by his word. We work by a lot of stuff. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Sometimes our words are valid. Sometimes we lie. Sometimes we make stuff up. Sometimes we believe wrong things and we repeat them. So we can't depend on our word. We have to depend on his word. So when it's time for you to tend your garden, your anyhow takes over. Amen. Once you look, say for instance, if you planted seeds in the ground, you cover them up. There's nothing showing. And you say, in in 30 days, I'm going to see some growth anyhow i have a harvest anyhow i don't see it right now but i have it anyhow you can be as sure of god's word as you can about planting things in the natural it's planted in you anyhow don't ever doubt your faith once you embrace something you desire it for yourself that's faith enough for god to work with you got me Uh, you're believing for him to intervene and cause that thing to be real, full-blown healing in your life. Amen? So, when you say anyhow, that means in spite of whatever the natural realm may speak to you. So, you have to take up that anyhow attitude in it. Anyhow is not a default position. 
It's not something you just say to make yourself feel better because you're disappointed you don't have it. But anyhow is a position of strength and security in what God has given you by his word of promise. That thing's promised to you. He's sworn an oath on top of the promise that it is yours. So when you say it's mine anyhow, you say it's mine devil in spite of what you're trying to get me to believe contrary to the fact that it's mine. I don't care what you say about it. It's mine anyhow. I don't care when it comes. It's mine anyhow. I don't care what's happening in the natural that says it's not going to happen. It's mine anyhow. Amen. It's mine anyhow. So it comes from knowing something to be true. Not a default position. It's not a make me feel better. because, And it's not a consolation prize. Well, I didn't get it, but I got this instead. I got anyhow instead. That's not what we're talking about here. It means that you know that you know that you know it's yours. So it's a position of strength. And what it says is, I believe. I believe this. So when you say it's mine anyhow, and I'm healed anyhow, I'm prosperous anyhow, I'm out of debt anyhow, I'm cleared of all all uh, encumbrances anyhow, that means that you have embraced that by faith and it's yours, and nobody can take it away from you. So that puts a lock on it. In Romans 4, we can go back there and look at it for a little bit. It talks about the promise God made to Abraham and Abraham believed it by faith and he wasn't trying to do works of the law to make it happen. He wasn't trying to be good enough. He wasn't trying to be impress God with anything. He was just being Abraham believing God. Amen. And so it says here as it is written in verse 17 I have made you a father of many nations. I have done it already Abraham. This is what kept God coming back to Abraham about this promise over and over and over again. Now you notice Abraham seldom bugged God about anything. God came to him with this promise when he first met him. And it doesn't change. That means it must exist somewhere and have Abraham's name on it already. He's not trying to claim something that doesn't belong to him. God keeps coming back to him telling him the same thing over and over and over again. It's the same with us. God's not going to change his mind about the fact that we're healed. He's not going to say, well, you know, okay, well, you know, you're sick and you can't, you got to go to the doctor and you got to blah, this, blah, that. No, he's already said you're healed. He doesn't change his mind. The Bible talks about two immutable things which made it impossible for God to lie. He locks himself in. So really what God does is he promises to himself that he's going to bless you. It's not just promise to you. He has to keep his promise to himself to help you, to keep his word to you. 
What you vow to yourself is the most powerful thing in your life. If you if you make up your mind that you're going to stay faithful to your spouse, you'll do it. No matter what happens. If you make up your mind that you're going to put away so much money every month because you're working towards something, you're going to do it no matter what happens. So your word to you, keeping your word to yourself, is the most powerful thing that you can do. If you make up your mind you're going to serve God all the days of your life, you'll do it. He'll help you. But you have to promise things to yourself. A lot of times people who are wishy-washy, they're afraid to lock themselves in with a vow to themselves. In fact, they already got one work and they vow not to vow anything. (laughs) I vow not to make a commitment to anybody. I vow not to let this church take up all my time. I vow not to. You understand what I'm saying? And so once you, you enter into that, and people keep those vows, trust me. They'll see what, what what other people have and see that it's good. Instead of imitating what they see people do, they want what they what people have. If you're not willing to do what they do to obtain that, don't look for it. And so we, we have to be careful understanding that God has made this promise to himself. The Bible says because he could swear by no higher, he swore by himself to himself. Amen. It says swore by himself, but that means to himself also. So God made a promise to the Trinity, made a promise to the Trinity that we're going to uphold this. So we told Abraham he's going to have a son with his wife. He doesn't understand it. We're going to make it plain to him. You got me? Sometimes God has to kick things out of your life to make it plain what he means. You got me? So you you got you to gotta understand that. When he's vowed to himself to give that to you. And he'll move heaven and earth to get it into your life. Why? Because that's his best for you. He always wants you to have his best. Why do we always want to settle for second best? so Romans 4.17 as it is written I have made thee a father of many nations before whom he believed even God who quickens the dead and calls those things that be not as though they are so if you're going to be in agreement with God you have to talk like he does you have to repeat with him you got to say things with him I am healed. He don't care about this natural realm and the symptoms in your body. Are you kidding me? He's bringing you something to remove that and make your life better. So he says here, who against hope believed in hope. So calling, when you call things that be not as though they are, you are saying to your hopeless situation, I don't respect you. You are saying to sickness in your body, I don't honor you. You are saying to an empty bank account, I'm not sticking with you. You're not the end of the story. Amen. So you call those things that be not as though they are and you're not lying. You're finally telling the truth. That's why we think it's a lie. We're so used to lies. 
Your mind's trained to accept lies instead of truth. That's why it takes some people so long to get saved. Well, you Christians, y'all stay in church all the time. You do this all the time. You do that all the time. Yeah, and you will too once you really find out what the truth is. You find out you're wasting your time over there in the world pursuing what you think is happiness. Huh? Don't have sense enough to be content. You know, you see people in the world, they, they, they're lying to themselves. All the time subject to lies, the lies of the mind. You see people who do everything but the right thing. You know, people are shacked up and living together, refuse to get married. Huh? Why? Because they believe lies. And then you come along and you're serving God and they want to condemn you. Why? Because they're guilty. They are under condemnation already because they live in a world of lies. It's not better to shack up with somebody. And anybody that's that's halfway decent and honest will admit that. Uh, I can leave any time. Why would you live with somebody and, and feel it's a good thing to want to leave any time? What are you there for if you're not there to stay? Well, just leave your bags packed and live out of a suitcase then if that's the way you want to live your life. But come on now, that's not a good life. I remember the my heart hurt for for this couple that uh when we went over to pray with um uh um apostle Daryl with his group and they brought a couple over that uh needed prayer and they were living together and I said, "Well, how long have you been living together?" and they told me almost twenty years I said they had kids that were grown, and the the woman sat there with her head down the whole time. And I, I just made him look at her. I said, now look at her. I said, she's ashamed because she believes you don't love her because you won't marry her. I said, and I bet you never, I said, I bet y'all break up and you keep coming back, don't you? He said, yeah. He said, that's, I said, you need to get married. I said, you need to settle this thing. I said, she'll be able to hold her head up. You give this woman dignity. She's a mother of your children. She she deserves respect and dignity in life. Don't let her go around with her head hanging down for the rest of her life. So you do the right thing. I see you want to get married. I see y'all listen to the devil too much. I see he tells you this stuff is not right. It's not going to work. It's going to be worse. And look at them. They got married and they ain't not even together no more. I said it don't have to be you. I said if you trust God in this, He'll he'll lead you the right way. I said, but don't shame this woman. I said, she's your children's mother. I said, don't let your children grow up in a household of insecurity. I said, because they'll start acting out of that insecurity. I said, you love your kids. You need to treat them better. So I told him, I said, you go buy her a ring. I don't care what. I don't care how much it costs. You go put one money down on it or something. So, so I prayed with them. <laughs> you know, shook their day up. You come in here for prayer, you're going to get prayer. I don't care what you, you know what I'm saying. Pity pat, God bless him, give him a good job. No, let's get to the root of this problem here. Resolve this problem. Because it can be resolved in God. So, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. 
so shall it be. That's what God is saying. So shall it be for you. So shall it be. And that's no lie. And I enforce it. I back it up. And I bring it to pass. That's what God's saying. When he says it's going to be that way. Abraham. It's just going to happen. Amen. And so this is how Abraham was able to have strong faith. He said well if God says this is going to happen. I can't afford to do anything except believe him. Now how do you protect your faith when you're in an environment that the devil runs all the time and wants to destroy your faith? Well you don't consider. You have to have a discipline about you. You can't consider how you feel. You can't consider your age. You can't consider that you, you, you're you slow getting up or you're stiff when you get up in the morning. You know you said thank you Father lubricate every joint right now. Get me moving in Jesus' name. Huh? Let's get it on. Let's get after it. I got things to do and they don't include being stiff, sore, and funny and careful about myself like I'm going to break in half. Amen. Uh, Let's get after life now. We're pursuing life here. Amen. Amen. So we got against hope, believe in hope. We got to believe for renewal of our youth. We got to re- believe because age and all that deteriorates. That ain't from God. That's part of the curse. You're redeemed from the curse. You're made youthful again. And God has promised that our latter end will be better. Amen. How's that going to happen if we're just looking at what it's like in the natural, looking at how we feel and. All these kinds of, all such nonsense. Amen. (laughs) I've seen people, you know, they have these, uh, I saw like a 80 year old bodybuilder lady and all that. Well, that's how she stays young. She has to do natural things. You got me? I ain't got like 40 hours to spend in a gym or something like that. You got to do things for God. So I'll get in the word, let bodily exercise do the little good it said the bible says it's going to do get in that a little bit and and put some you know you'll find that supernaturally god can cause that little bit to to go a long way you understand what i'm saying you got to believe him to put supernatural life on everything that you do so you might as well get with it mm-hmm. you don't let yourself deteriorate because of what you're not doing in the natural Amen. It says, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. Weak faith looks at the natural. Amen. Looks at how you feel. Looks at what your symptoms are like. Looks at how long you've had it. Looks at all of that stuff. That's what weak faith does. You want your faith to be strong. Because it's going to have to be strong for God to bring that stuff into your life the way he wants to. And he says he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now, listen, people say things like, well, maybe back in that day, a hundred years. Are you kidding me? Do you know how many years a hundred actually is? That's a hundred years. I don't care what. You know, they look at the fact that Adam lived to be nine, almost a thousand years in Methuselah and he was nine something and then all that kind of stuff. Listen, a hundred years is a hundred years. I don't care. You know what I'm saying. 
in a sinful world, it causes the anything made of the earth to deteriorate. This is a, a natural tent we live in. And it will deteriorate just from the atmosphere of sin around us. So you've got to find a way to insulate yourself from this atmosphere of sin. Keep your your faith focused on the invisible realm. Keep it over in God where it's supposed to be. That's where your youth is renewed. That's where your your um, strength is renewed. That's where everything that you need is renewed. I know yesterday before Mr. Gary came to haul me up to Detroit, I came for the haul. Uh, I was I was getting my deck together. I like to live outside in the summertime, and uh, it. It's it's good for me because it it kind of helps me to get in a place where I can pay more attention. You know, if you're in the four walls all the time, you do four wall stuff. You do that all year long. So I want to, you know, get out and get away from from the just monotony of it you know and and so I like living outside in the inside Um, Aubrey used to like that we would you know we always stayed outside during the summertime you had our meals out there and you know just would sit out sometimes and and it was just nice it was very relaxing and so I but it takes effort and so I was out there and little Howard came over and he picked up some carpeting for me to, to put on the deck and all that um, so I was out there with him, and I was doing little things, and you know, sweeping up and getting debris up, and you know, all that kind of stuff. And so, as I was doing that, the thought came to me: Oh, you're doing all this, and you got to stand on your feet and preach for two days. See what I'm saying? Well, you got to accept. You got to say, "A devil, listen. God reduce my strength." I'm healed anyhow. I'm not some little snowflake out here that can't lift a garbage can or, you know, you fall apart if you have to do any physical labor or something like that. I would do things, uh, was funny, uh, um, I would do things that took a lot of strength sometimes. And if somebody was watching me, I said, now don't tell so and so I can do this, okay? <laughs> I think I did that with Tippy one time. I lifted some. She looked at me. I said, "Don't tell your husband I can do this. I never get any work out of that dude if he knows we're capable." <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> but uh, you know what I'm saying. You got to be competent, capable. You know, God'll give you that. Uh, you got to hang on to it, though. You can't let it slip away from you. Got to keep. Grabbing for it and decreeing it, calling for it when you need it. Call those things that be not. Let the weak say, I am strong. If you say you're strong, strength will come to you. Amen. If, if If you keep saying you're sick, you keep saying you're weak, keep saying you can't do it, keep saying you get tired, guess what you're going to get? Your atmosphere will provide that for you. You've got to change your atmosphere. You feel weak? I'm strong anyhow. You feel tired? I'm awake. I'm alert. Huh? I had that some, every pill they give you for some reason, side effect, drowsiness. 
you know and i'm saying no no wait a minute and sometimes i'll feel sleep coming on and i just shake it off i said no i'm not drowsy it's not time to go to sleep yet i'm wide awake you understand you gotta do what you gotta do you can't succumb to all of this nonsense man the world will kill you so i got things to do for god which quite require alertness awakeness and strength so i'm not doing that and it says here he did not think about now you can do this too because we have the abraham brand of faith that faith was delivered to us you don't have one kind and he had another one we got the same faith that he had this is the faith that was delivered to the saints and it says those who are of faith in god are the same as the children of Abraham. We are heirs according to the promise of God. It's the same faith. So don't tell me you can't do this and he did it. See we want to put him over in a category where he's special. He's 100 years old. He's believing God for a child. And his wife is 90. I can't do that. Yes you can. Yes you can. I said, yes, you can. See, the atmosphere doesn't want to support that kind of faith. That kind of faith gets thrown back at you. You're lying to yourself if you tell yourself you can't believe for that just like he did. Now, you can't materialize it and manufacture it, but you can put your faith in that and embrace that. Say, God, that's part of what I believe. I believe I can override the deadness of my womb. I can override the deadness of my body. I can override the limitations of my thinking. I can override the limitations of my, you know, my uh, uh, physical condition. I can override that with my faith. And you can do those things by calling those things that be not as though they are and not being weak in faith. Don't consider your physical limitations but consider god and it says he didn't stagger at the promise of god through unbelief now there's some things that can make you stagger if it's joy you know you stagger a little bit at that but you know what i'm saying he didn't fight it didn't say it was too much didn't say it was too hard that's what staggering is you look at it and you back up off of it you got me because you're thinking it won't happen because it hasn't happened. A lot of stuff that hasn't happened yet that's going to that's gonna come to pass. Just watch. You keep believing God, it'll happen. Amen. You be the first one to make it happen. Amen. With your faith. And it says, and he, he didn't stagger through unbelief but was in strong faith giving glory to God and was fully persuaded, fully, 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 fully persuaded. That means all the doubt is washed out of your head. You know how it got washed out? You didn't pay attention to anything that was contrary to the word. You didn't let your eyes fall on anything that was contrary. You didn't let your mouth speak anything that was contrary. You don't let your your heart settle in on something that's contrary. You don't let yourself feel sorry for yourself because what you don't have. I shot that thing so long ago. I realized self-pity kept me depressed. And when I realized that, I killed that thing. I said, you never get me. Yeah, that's why people look at me sometimes. They say, well, you don't care about nothing. You're mean. You're hard. Yeah, I am. I'm hard on the devil. 
I don't care what form he's in. He can be a cute devil. He can be an ugly devil. He can be a big one, a mean one. I don't care what he is. I'm hard on the devil wherever he manifests. Why? Because he'll kill you. You let him, he'll kill you. You start feeling sorry. I can't do this. (laughs) He'll kill you. lowest point in my life I had to have my nieces and nephews and grown up y'all see out there when they were teenagers they'd come over and sit with me because I felt suicidal you got me from self pity that's what will happen it will kill you to make you want to kill yourself so that's why I hate it I don't feel sorry for anybody you got me it's not worth your time to pity anybody and anything it's a waste of time you can get up and prophesy to whatever it is that's bugging you. You can speak the word over yourself and get yourself free. Are you kidding me? If anybody's in pitiful condition, it ought to be the devil. For what you can do to him, you get loose in the word the right way. But don't waste your time feeling certain things. Sorry for people. Now, I have compassion on people. I have a healing ministry. You don't have a healing ministry if you don't have compassion. But I know when to yield to that and I know when to cut the pity off, folks. Silly nonsense. You don't give in to nonsense. You stay with the word. God is not giving you these things. He's giving you power, love, and a sound mind. I don't have to feel sorry for you to help you. Huh? The anointing don't work in an atmosphere of pity. I'll sit up and listen to you whine all day long. We can be out saving souls while you're sitting up here whining. Huh? You turn the city upside down. Whiners don't do that. So Romans 4.17 calls those things that be not as though they are. He says, I have made you the father of many nations. Joshua 6.16, shout, for I have given you the city. Did they occupy Jericho at the time? No, they had not. But they had to believe it was given before they could go up and take it. Hmm? They were just taking what was already given to them. That's why it comes so easy by faith. You know, it's already given to you. And that's why you're not trying to pull it, pull it, pull it, and help God decide to give it to you. He's already done that. First Peter two twenty four by whose stripes you were healed. You're already healed. How will you know it is given? In Genesis fifteen one, Abraham asked God that question. See, we think Abraham's got some different kind of faith. He had the same we got. It was growing, and he would get doubtful. When he got doubtful, what did he do? He went to God. That's what we need to do. If we take our doubts to God instead of speaking them to everybody around us, we get some answers, get some reassurance. God will never leave you in worse shape than you were when he found you. He'll always make your condition better. 15 verse 2, Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing as I'm childless, 
And the steward of my house is, is Eleazar of Damascus. He's not even one of my seed. So I don't have anything. Now this was before Ishmael was born. And it said God did this. He told God. He says. Uh, uh, Lord, God. And, uh, and, nah, 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 nah. Verse 4. The word of the Lord came to him saying. This shall not be your heir. Talking about the servant. But he that shall come out of your own bowels, out of your body, shall be your heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, now look now. This is your evidence. This is what you're allowed. Abraham, you're only allowed to look at the stars in the sky and the sand and the sea. You can't look at your body. You can't look at who's in your household and what's missing. You can't look at the fact that you don't have a son yet. You're only allowed to look up and look down. Because that's your kids. Look up and see your kids. Look down and see your kids. That's all he was allowed to look at. If you're going to get what God has for you, you can only look at what God permits. And that's what he's given you. That's his word. And it says he believed God. He was upset at first in verse 1. You see him all, oh, are you going to give me? I don't, have, I don't have no kids. And then he settled down over here. See, faith, believing God gives you peace. What does it say? He believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. So God marked that down. He's righteous. That means I can give him whatever he asks for. It's the way he looks at us. And he says, I'm the same God that brought you out of Ur of Chaldees. That means I promised you this when you first came out of here. And he said, Lord, how shall I know? See, that's where we don't go many times. We ask God for something, we believe, and we never get to the knowing. We're trying to believe. But then there's so much doubt. You're trying to believe him for healing, but you keep looking at your symptoms. Trying to believe him that you're this and you're that, and you keep looking at stuff. And and, and you got to come to the grips with it and say, well, how will I know this? I keep looking at this, and I'm, I keep losing my footing. I keep believing that it won't happen. How am I going to know it? And what did God do? He he told Abraham to go get some animals. See, this settles everything. The blood settles it. That's why when you start believing God for something, it bugs you. You can get mad because it's taking a long time and it will still bug you. And then you got to go back and repent and say, God, I still believe you. Because that blood takes over and starts talking to you after that. This is what Abraham didn't have with God before. He did not have a blood sacrifice covenant that he could enter into. That sacrifice is everything. That blood is everything. Because that settles it with an oath and a promise. See, people can tell you they're going to do things all day long. But if it's not backed up by anything that's real, it won't happen. And the blood is what backs it up. The blood says... I'll I'll end my life. The blood says, Abraham, I'm not just promising this to you, but I'm promising it to me. Because what we see here, it says, 
Verse 9, he said to him, take me a heifer three years old and a she-goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. If you look at the the book of Leviticus, the, the Jewish law, you'll see that those sacrifices were listed for a myriad of things. Sin, thanksgiving, all of those offerings and sacrifices, the different sacrifices for different things. Well, he brought it all together. And so what that means is Abraham's heirs will be able to minister over all of the needs of the people because all of the sacrifices now are combined in one. So there is not anything left out of this sacrifice that God has. It it takes care of your sin. It takes care of your transgressions. It takes care of your uh, thanksgiving. It takes care of your meal offering, your grain offering. All those things are in here. And he took them, all of these, and divided them. He split them down the middle and laid each piece one against the other one and the birds he did not divide and when the fowls came down upon the carcasses Abraham drove them away which means that he was keeping that sacrifice for God he did not let the fowl of the air eat it up so this is a pure sacrifice a holy sacrifice it's not roadkill And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham, and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said to Abraham, know of a surety that you're sin. See, this is is God is swearing to himself. When he says, surely, that's an oath to himself. He tells Abraham, know of a surety that your seed shall be a stranger in a land that's not theirs. They shall serve them. They shall afflict them 400 years. And also that nation whom you sh- they shall serve, I will judge. And afterward, they'll come out with great substance. And you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come out here again for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp passed between those pieces. So Abraham is knocked out, which means he can't do anything right or wrong to mess it up. He can't help the promise and he can't hurt the promise. Why? Because the promise is made outside of him. This is a promise made in God. So the smoking furnace and the burning lamp represent the Father and the Son in theophany. So Jesus and the Father walk between those pieces. And what God is saying, I promise and I swear to myself. That I'm going to give you your children. All you got to do is be fully persuaded that what I promise I'm able to perform. That's all we got to do. Forget yourself. Forget that you could mess up with it. I don't know what the hold up is. I don't know what I did wrong. Quit thinking like that. God promised to us. He swore by a higher than you. He He's not swearing by your faithfulness. He's swearing by his faithfulness. You don't have nothing to do with it but believe. And can you hold on to faith? That's all you got to figure out is how do I hold on to my faith? How do I not doubt? Well, we told you already. Consider not 
that you could do something wrong. Sometimes that's our biggest our biggest uh, uh, foe is us, because we think too much of ourselves. You wouldn't know how to get yourself saved if if you could think of it. You wouldn't even think of something like the foolishness of preaching to save people, but yet it works. So why don't you let that work with everything else in your life, huh? You started out smart. Now we didn't got religiously stupid somehow. Amen. And thinking we can mess up the promise. God, what am I doing wrong? Why is it taking so long? What did I learn? Huh? And you smell bad too. Huh? Well, you might as well. You've done everything else. You can't mess this up. All you got to do is believe. That's why Jesus says only believe. Believe and not doubt. Don't you let doubt creep in. How does doubt creep in? Because we look at the natural. We consider the natural. You look at it and you think about it and you think it has meaning. That's where you get messed up. What happens in the natural has no meaning other than what we give it. And we're not going to give it any because you have a choice. You don't have to. People say, well, uh, that's a denial. No, faith is not denial. Now I'm believing in something real, real, real. This faith is more real than you know. Huh? Well, sometimes you need to know what's wrong. No, you don't. You know what's wrong. It's the devil trying to get you to pay more attention to it than you need to. Huh? Well, I need to know the name of this disease so I can pray against it. No, you don't pray against anything. You just thank God for healing you. You don't need to know nothing. You get a name on it, you be wanting to repeat it to people. Huh? See if you can impress somebody with all your great knowledge. So cut it out. The devil got all kind of ways of distracting us, pulling us away from what God has from us. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you, Lord, that we are who we are anyhow. We're righteous anyhow. We're saints of the Most High God anyhow. We are redeemed anyhow. We're blessed anyhow. We're prosperous anyhow. We're wise anyhow. And we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God.